Dude, one thing we did not fucking talk about is how ridiculous the tiny turtle tots were. Like, the character designs of the little, like, turtles or whatever. Oh, when that's kids. right. Yeah. Freaking adorable. Also, Splinter's relationship, we never talked about either. Yeah. Oh, oh God, yeah. Making out. Yeah, that because it's like in the last five minutes of this movie, they just yeah. go so hard on that idea. We were writing an article up about how it might be the first queer relationship in TMNT because it's already up on Screaming at Baby. Yeah, because they had that uh, right because like the poster said himself initially, and now they've yeah. come out and said it was like herself. But I mean, man, that was uh, yeah, that was something else. Yeah, the, the title Cooper Royce is Splinter Gay in TMNT. <laughs> <meeting you in? laughs> And another one we have is, do turtles have nipples? <laughs> it's like doing a fact. <laughs> He's banging uh, out queries here. Yeah. Sometimes I wonder, did we make the internet a worse place <laughs> in our like 15 years doing this? But I don't know. I this, guess, this uh, is, these are all topics that if we sat down together with drinks, we'd all be asking ourselves these questions. So. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. I mean, this has always been our thing, right? It's yeah, like yeah. we ask the questions that people, people really want to know. <laughs> I mean, uh, but yes, you know, <laughs> I mean, no, all we did was make it possible for the average person to weigh in and find an audience in the entertainment commentary space. Whereas before yeah. it was either only trades who just did nothing and had everything handed to them or scoopers who got who wrote a few paragraphs about what they had scooped. Yeah, that was about it. Welcome to episode 40 of Podcast X. I almost said the Screen Rant Underground because <laughs> we, oh we were talking about the trying to get that archive sorted out or whatever. I think I have SRU in my head, but uh, of, no, this is Podcast X. Uh, I'm your host, Ben Kendrick. I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Rob Keys. Yes, it's me, Rob Keys from the Screen Rant Underground. <laughs> and, and Kofi Outlaw, also of the Screen Rant Underground. Special guest in the house. That's it. That's <laughs> Kofi Alla in the house. Uh, th- we decided, Rob actually got out to see a screening of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles a bit early. So we thought, man, Rob actually went out to a screening, got to see no, it early. I saw it opening night here. Oh, did it open on like Tuesday or something? There's one screening Tuesday night at like nine o'clock. Uh, okay. Yeah, it opened on Wednesday, as uh, my other Wednesday was had problems did, keeping up with. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What there's no like there's no like holiday this weekend or anything right? They just decided to open it. Is that because it's a no, kids movie smart. in the summer? Or like, Dude, if anybody, yeah. if somebody has a birthday next week, I can tell you, you got to get this in now because people start <laughs> to go on these last fucking family vacations and shit. Like right now, <laughs> yeah, I guess that's, no, yeah, my that's birthday fair. is August 9th and nobody's ever around, like ever. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I don't know, Ben. Like it, it, it's not normal. Like Wednesday was opening day, which I think was August second. But for some reason, I just happened to check, and it was playing one day. They called it a preview screening at uh, late at night, and there was like, nobody there because it was in the small theater on on the wrong night. Um, and the, you know, most of the screenings in most of the rooms are all like Barbie, Oppenheimer, and they're still playing Mission and all these other things. Yeah. So I got very lucky. 
That makes sense. Um, yeah, for whatever reason, I thought you had. Uh, I thought you'd actually gotten into a screening earlier. No, I'm like a peasant. That. That well, you just live in. You just live far away. You could get into screenings <laughs> if you want to drive. I live exactly where I need right? to be. Yeah, fair. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Rob got to see it, uh, you know, comparatively early to when we usually get these get to talk about these things. So we decided to hop on opening opening weekend and, and get a podcast out. So we're going to be talking TMNT, Mutant Mayhem today. Um, but that's it. We're gonna we're gonna try and kind of keep this keep this tight. So uh, I who wants to start? Who thinks they're the biggest Ninja Turtles fan? I think I have to go grab soda water. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so Rob, between Rob and me, you can go first. Yeah. But I feel bad. You always waiting for us. You can you can jump in if you want. Uh. Okay. I'll start. Um. Yeah. No. I mean, I think I think I teed it up last week. I mean, I really dug this. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um. I think the comparison that a lot of people are going to make this summer is like, is this on par with something like? the Spider-Verse movies. And I mean, I think it falls short of, of that kind of like artistic, like evolution of kind of the animation format, but I dig the animation style. I think it does share a lot of similarities with some of the stuff we really liked in Spider-Verse. And I think I've really been kind of struggling after seeing it because, you know, I wasn't, I didn't hate the Michael Bay turtle movies as much as a lot of people did. I think especially, the second one was kind of a lot of fun because they just were like, okay, let's do Bebop and Rocksteady and some of these characters and Krang in like live action. And that like, that's something we had literally never seen before um, because they did all the weird like Tonka and Razor stuff in the second teenage. Hang movie. on, hang on, hang on. So, so Bebop and Rocksteady were awesome in that movie. Like really yeah. good, great actor choices. Um, yeah. But that entire like very oh no short third just, act of the portal yeah, was just abs- sure. just absurd. It literally yeah. killed the franchise. It just ended. Yeah, it. <laughs> no, for sure. I mean, I, I definitely yeah. I mean, I I would not defend that movie as being like a great a great movie or something. But I I did you know like I didn't hate a lot of what like the Michael Bay produced movies did. Um, I mean, <laughs> this is a very this is a very terrible. I mean, it's when you juxtapose this April O'Neil and Mutant Mayhem with Megan Fox's April O'Neil. I guess there's some some things to complain about, but um, <laughs> so I kind of walked away from this being like, you know, we've had animated TMNT movies before. And I think in general, they've all been decent. I mean, they weren't bad, but they never kind of fully, I think captured sort of what it felt like to watch the cartoons. And I, I don't think any of the, the live action movies did that either necessarily. So this is probably the closest thing to like, a bigger budget kind of more epic version of watching the cartoons, which I think a lot of people are going to respond to. And I certainly did. I thought it was fun. I think it's cool that they, you know, I mean with it's very on brand for someone like Seth Rogen to like come in and be like, we need to get all of these like stupid characters that were just like toys in, you know, in the animated series that don't really make any sense, but just put them in there because they were so weird. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, I dug it. I think I liked the turtles. I liked that they were actually teenagers that were doing the voice acting. I think, you know, I mean, we've had past TMNT movies where they were like a lot of Marvel actors. <laughs> were in the, there was that one where like Chris Evans was in it. And, um, you know, we had who else was in that one? Uh, wait, wait, which one were you talking about? The one from like 2004? Oh, the animated one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah TMNT exactly. was called. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I thought... Yeah. No, I, head, I thought you were mixing up Stephen M. L. Casey Jones and no, that's no, TM. That's two thousand seven. That's when we started. Two thousand seven was when TMNT is yeah. when we started in this business. When Robin, oh, that's right. Started. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah, yeah so I mean, that one had like... Today. Yeah, and so that was like, you know, I mean, there were a lot of famous people in that. I There's a lot of famous people in this one, too, but like, like I dug the pick. But yeah, they didn't fucking yeah. matter. Yeah, that one's for sure. actually... People have been... Um, yeah, I'm going to go in. I'm sorry, but people have been going in about how good that one still is. And I rewatched that today. My son stopped halfway through. He's like, I don't want to watch this one. I want to watch the one we just saw. I was like, yeah, me too, bro. It's fine. I mean, it's fine, but it's like, you know, I mean, uh, uh, I mean, like, but yeah, I mean, Sarah Michelle Gellar. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just way more about the ninja shit. And I, and when we get into like my section, I'll lean on that. But that one's definitely more about ninja stuff. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, but I mean, like, I'm kind of dancing around the point, but I, I really dug it. I mean, I'd be, I'd be down for a sequel. I'm excited to see what they do with Shredder. I thought the turtles were great. I thought this take on April O'Neil was like one of the best takes on that character, probably in franchise history. And also the way that their motivations overlap, I thought was good. Like these are young people who are just trying to like do something big in order to get people to like them. And the way they sort of shed that, motivation as they as they grow through the film and it just becomes about doing the right thing like i i dug all that i thought some of you know i know people some people are like complaining about like the changes to bebop and rocksteady here where they end up becoming like actually like good guys in this context at least and everything you know like none of that stuff matters to me all this was always silly goofy stuff i don't need a super accurate version to the to the cartoons and comics of bebop and rocksteady being like bad guys like i actually thought it was kind of fun and would be fun in a sequel to see like what if bebop and rocksteady are part of this team and like you know going into battle fighting bad guys like that's something i want to see because i haven't ever seen that before so i kind of like that they just threw out some of the rules but they kept sort of what's central to these characters it felt like all of their personalities were the same kind of turtles that i knew growing up and I mean, I had a blast just seeing them do cool stuff. And I mean, I never imagined in my wildest dreams that a random reference to Attack on Titan would be like basically the plot of this movie from like halfway through the second act and stuff, like and how important that kind of stuff would be and how cool that was. So, um, yeah, man, I mean, I, I dug it. I Like I said, I don't, you know, it doesn't get to Spider-Verse level for me, but it, I think it's way above. I, I was walking out just saying, I'm so tired of, like everybody just trying to be Pixar and DreamWorks and like, like they do their thing. They're great movies generally, but this was, this was cool to see like a teenage mutant Ninja Turtles movie that like had its own kind of style and felt like it was like drawing kind of it's, it's visual inspiration from the actual like graphic novels and stuff. And yeah, I, uh, I dug it a lot for sure. I, I definitely did. Um, I yeah, I'll kick it over to I'll kick it over Rob and then we'll we'll go to Kofi. Uh sure. Um you made a few points I wanted to, to uh bring up, but I'll start with just my basic thoughts. So I think we're all pretty much in agreement. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem, another long ass title, which is <laughs> fun to deal with at work. Uh it's like yeah. it's very, very good. And it's you know, more than that, it's just very easily recommendable for like everyone and as something to see in theaters. And it's, you know, easily one of my favorite movies of the year. It's fun, it's super exciting. Um, yeah, it's not quite Spider-Verse, but it's I liked Elemental, and this is better than that. So so it's 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 all you know, it's gonna be my list at the end of the year when we all talk about this for sure. Um, to some of the points you made, uh, about them introducing all of the villains at the end, I thought that was interesting because it, it, I'm hopeful that that may get rid of the gimmick in sequels where they just keep having more mutations, more mutants, more mutants, more mutants. If they can just dump all the weird ones now, 
yeah. and have all the pieces in play, they can they can just like have Bebop and Rocksteady easily get swayed or threatened or switch sides yeah. and work for someone else in the sequel or something. And I also like that following that same line of thinking, maybe the sequel follows a different theme where they explore ninjas and the third one's cosmic or interdimensional. I kind of like, I, I like the idea that, that this is as a teenager's grow and those, these little young actors get bigger we can move away from just a mutant of it all. Um, yeah. Because they are not quite ninjas yet. This is such an interesting origin of them, you know, <laughs> pun intended breaking out of the shell, so to speak. Right. Um, yeah. They are not confident fighters. They are new to the world. Right. So uh, I kind of love that aspect of it. And I'm sure we all have a lot to say about them really, really focusing on the teenage part in the title for the first time ever. Uh, and I was very happy that I got to help debut that clip where they showed the actors, the four young stars, like in the voice booth together, which they never really do, right? It's usually one person yeah. at a time. They had the four kids in the room together, sharing their excitement, talking over each other. And that comes through, that chemistry shines in, in such an amazing way, more than any other film uh, I've seen this year. I love that. Which brings me to one of the concerns I had going into this. Um, certainly in the marketing materials, the, tra- the two main trailers, at the end of it and during the CinemaCon footage, the, the, they leaned heavily into like the star-studded roster of voice actors. Yeah. And that made me like, I was a little worried about that, that, that they'd lose focus, right? It'd be the gimmicks, but it's not. They, I really like how they held, they, they showed a lot of restraint in how much, you know, screen time those characters got uh, with one exception. Um, and they just used them to kind of have little memorable moments, but just to elevate the four stars who are relative yeah. unknowns compared to those guys. But among that cast, when we do see them, they're kind of awesome. Uh, you know, I, I loved Ice Cube as Superfly. I love Paul yeah. Rudd's character. Uh, a Post Malone, I love that too. Like really, really good ones. Um, yeah. The only one I didn't like though was Seth Rogen. He had to put himself in the movie as Bebop and that killed it for me. It's so annoying. It's the only time I was scratching my head. It's like it was so much worse than the Donkey Kong casting. So uh, yeah. I know that this is him and Evan's project with uh, Jeff Rowe, but man, you got to show restraint. You don't have to put yourself in everything. Um so I wouldn't mind if they switch that up for the sequel, which they won't. Uh, yeah, fortunately, he doesn't talk that much. I like Bebop and Roxy like, don't actually talk very much. And just when he does, like, he just blows the, it out. Yeah, yeah. yeah, well, I mean, he does his laugh. Like, he laughs a couple times, too, right? And you get, like, no one has a more <laughs> identifiable laugh than Seth Rogen, for sure. Yeah, the, the other big thing I love is is the art style, which is obviously one of the most noticeable things from the, from the marketing materials that differentiates it from, from all the previous incarnations of TMNT. Uh, you know, th- this sort of mix of you could call it 2.5 d but it's not really that like puss in boots was um People i think jeff for the director like, on our Sorry? hopefully award-winning comic book nation i heard a good description of people saying it like somebody tried to paint over a, a lucky a lucky movie like oh yeah oh, i like one of those like movies or whatever yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. There is a, yes, yes. So that's it. It's the art style and like that kind of, it's not stop motion, but the frame rate makes it look that way. The way they're moving, what you could perceive as cells on like a static background, but it's not that. Um, so, so I, I was, we, Jeff, I feel bad that Jeff Rowe has been like a, a one person army uh, promoting this film because of the strikes. So he's been like at Comic-Con, we've interviewed him like three times for this film. Uh, he's done many great interviews. I love that he got to do this movie and I think he did a fantastic job, but he, he described it as like, look, he wanted, he, he's seen the way animation is going where it's increasingly trying to be rendered as photorealistic with realistic lighting. And they said, because of Spider-Verse that opened the door to do something different. So for their version of that is let's take the concept art, and make the movie look like that concept art. So it's intentionally asymmetric. It looks super imperfect. Even 
some of the jarring visuals of like the police car or building, it's just like slanted or off center parts of it. And it's like, it's all very intentional. Um, but the second layer of that, which I found really interesting is that for a film that entirely takes place in like dark labs or in dark, a night in the streets or in alleyways or sewers, I saw this in 3d in a non-premium format and it was perfectly clear. I could hmm. see everything, even though it's visually, you know, at a glance dark, but the way they use highlights and the way that art style and the frame rate works, it just, it was so clean and high quality. I thought this was one of the few, 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 like not James Cameron 3d, like 3d movies where I would say, go see this in 3d. Um, my experience with that was near perfect. And I, I that's such a surprise for me. Um, so uh, the last thing I'll say too is somehow this movie was made on a $70 million budget, which I think will teach the entire industry lessons. And to go back to my point about this like crazy star studded roster of people, I think this movie only exists the way it does because of Seth Rogen and Evan. I think they had absolute creative control. It's a crazy passion project for them. All of these stars that came in to do like an hour or a day in the booth did it for probably next to nothing just to be part of it because it was genuinely exciting for yeah. them because they knew it was a creator control project. They knew it was something different and Seth called on them the same way they got fucking, they, just look at the soundtrack, right? The actual like licensed music. And then you look at like uh, um, the, the Trent Reznor and the Atticus Ross score of it all. It's like all of these pieces. How do you do that for $70 million? It's like, it's, it's because I think of that crew doing their own thing. Um, and I think Pixar is going to look at that and be like, holy shit, how did we spend $200 million an elemental, <laughs> right? yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, when sure. we could do this for a third of that uh, with a way bigger cast, right? So yeah. I, I like that because this feels in a way, if it wasn't for the licensing behind it, like an indie project, it looks like an indie project. And that like example is great. It does feel, it does have that vibe. Um, but for the TMNT geek in me, this is the first time I felt like genuine excitement for more. Like I really am dying to see what's next. And I haven't felt that way since the nineties cartoon and the first two movies, um, toys included. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I'm in and, and it's, it's not perfect, but man, it's very good. And the best I've seen in a very long time. So, yeah. uh, Kofi, you, you, you uh, had to go when I was, when I started, but I was going to ask you, I saw a picture of you at this thing and it looked like you were at some kind of special event. I saw a picture of you and your kid at like uh, an activation of sorts yeah. for this movie. Um, yeah, it was just paramount through a nice kind of like, um, screening for us and family style on a Saturday morning. And they had the theater all decked out with all kinds of standees for photos and stuff like that. And yes, I'm employed by paramount, but no, they did not step on my neck. Shout out to Tamara, who's an awesome (laughs) lady and, uh, has been kind of working on this project and enjoying it with her son too. So uh, I enjoyed it with my son. Cause I always try to now test these things through the fit. I I hate like that. Our industry is a bunch of like 40 year old men yelling about kids movies all the time. So I try to bring like the little guy and get his perspective on things and just make sure I'm not jaded. But um, yeah, I mean, you guys have nailed pretty much everything on the head. I've, and I don't need to go on. I've done multiple versions of this on the uh, hopefully award-winning comic book nation podcast. But um what I will say is just kind of uh, echoing some of you guys' thoughts and just reiterating my own. It's just like, yeah, like Rob said, I, I've been a, I've been a Ninja Turtles fan since the eighties and nineties. These were some of the ways my parents coerced me into behavior when I was when I was <laughs> young by promises of new Ninja Turtles and you know every couple of weeks if I was good in school and did like what I was supposed to. So I I was obsessed. I used to run home for the 
off the bus with me and my best friend. We each run to our houses to watch the latest one. We used yeah. to call each other every Christmas morning to be like, yo, what did you get? You got the Technodrome? <laughs> oh, shit, I got the Technodrome, too. Like, yeah. Like, let's get together and put it. I remember when we came in a fourth grade and like showed each other we brought we each brought the uh instructions for the technodrome we were like comparing notes on where we were and how to build pieces we each had the van like i was full on in i read the uh all the graphic novels of the original comics and like all that stuff so like rob said um first right off the bat this is the first time i've been like sucked back into the franchise really i mean i've watched from afar like all the different iterations of the turtles from when the movie started getting bugged out around like number three, when they were traveling in time and shit to yeah, like yeah. the two thousands where they tried to, everybody thought because their word ninja was in there, they should just rip off anime and try to do that kind of stuff. And, you know, then in 2007, we were like, okay, well this is actually like a, things were so bad that by like 2007, we got that movie and we're like, okay, well at least this is like a competent, like Ninja Turtles movie and story. So that's, that's a plus, right? Thumbs up. Um, The animation looked better. It was updated. It was CGI. You know, we were all like, okay, you know, that's pretty good. And then, you know, in the 2010s, we, we all had fun. I think the last time we were all together, like at a comic con uh, for screen rant, when we were all part of the crew was uh, when the first one came out and we were all singing shell shocked the whole time. (laughs) That's right. That's that's right. right. We did that in the condo. Yeah. That was, that was like the very last comic con we all had together at a comic con. Yeah. That was was the year we were all just like pumping somebody, some person would just to fuck with everybody else would just start pumping like endlessly. Yeah. I remember we were like, fuck it with Andrew Dyson bunch about that. Yeah. You were about to get shell shot. That'll suck. Yeah. Yeah. Wiz Khalifa, man. And so like, I mean, that was a fun novelty. That was like the end of our screen ran well mine, but like uh, at our crew, like time together yeah. and all that. And, you know, then it got like, bad again with out of the shadows, which was dog shit. <laughs> and it was just like, yeah. right, what Ben are you doing here. Yeah. 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 Ben praising that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I wouldn't God. say I praised it. I said, I oh, like you love that. Shit. Oh my <laughs> God. Casey Jones, get out of here. I actually watched the trailer. I was trying to show my son today. Like, because he was asking me, he wanted to watch more. He's like been obsessed with the movie and he was just trying to see more. And so we went on Paramount plus the excellent streaming service, mountain of entertainment. And we were like looking <laughs> around and, and I was trying to show him, I was trying to explain to him because he doesn't quite get what reboots are yet. So I yeah. was like trying to explain to him because he was like, can I just watch the second one? Cause he's also like a COVID baby. And so these fucking kids think like anything can be streamed like, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so he's like he's like yeah can we just watch the second one now i'm like buddy it, it, there's a strike like we're not gonna see the second one for years i was like five years leo yeah, yeah. and i was like leo uh, and i'm trying to talk to him because he also doesn't understand how spoiled he is like i'm like i took you to see this movie before anybody really got to see it and like it's just coming out right now as we're talking about it like the yeah. first one it's it's actually coming out. It hasn't come out yet and gone like you just saw it early and like anyway. So I tried to show him. I was like trying to explain to him the legacy of Turtles and like how many different versions there have been and like therefore like what a reboot is. Is every now and again we just do a, a new version of the same story and that's a reboot. And he was just looking at me like I was nuts. But <laughs> I, so I just started playing him trailers for all of them, like all the old movies and stuff. 
Yeah, and I got to, and I made the mistake, I say all that to say, of playing Out of the Shadows first because I, I wasn't paying attention. And I was like, I do not remember this first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles being this fucking silly ass. And then I was just like, oh, this is the second <laughs> one. Second one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I saw that when I had just started a comic book and I was living back in Philadelphia for a minute. And like, I just remember that, I like most of the movies I saw in 2016 when I was living back in Philadelphia for a minute. I just remember being up and like trying to stay awake in that movie and just being like, Oh my God, what? And like my brain just died and like coming out and being like, what yeah. did I just see? It's, a, anyway. it's a dumb movie. That, I mean, I, yeah, I was saying earlier, it's a dumb movie, but like I just dug it. Cause it was like, we actually got bebop and rock steady in live action. That was one of the things that like, and Krang what is this and bebop stuff, and yeah. rock steady. I feel like they're the Boba Fett of our time. Like, kind of probably. Yeah. Come. But that's yeah. a good point. You're, you're pushing me back on track here, which is to say, so let's talk mutant mayhem. Okay. Um, one thing I think this this movie gets not enough credit for doing is being a very sly satire about just how goofy as shit the Ninja Turtles franchise is. Like I said on the comic book in our spoilers podcast for Comic Book Nation, like I feel like Ninja Turtles was made by cocaine you heavy cocaine users in the 1980s, right? Like, yeah, like yeah, they're like four turtles and uh, they get mutated, but yo, yo, they're also ninjas. They're also ninjas, bro. Like in like by somebody in a mountain, cocaine can come up with that. But I was like, this one is like turtles by stoners, right? Stoners who are smart enough com- and also comedians to enough to understand like what is to be laughed with and what is to be laughed at. You know what I mean? So like people have complained like, Oh, there's all these mutant characters that don't get really get their due. And it's like, yeah, but then again, they're not supposed to because Mondo gecko. I, and I, and you're, I'm talking again, I'm speaking as somebody whose life, whose fucking life revolved around getting each of these toys at one point. Okay. Yeah, like sure. my, I had Mondo Gecko and Ray Filet or whatever the Stingray's name was in real life. I remember that guy. He was badass. He had like an orange suit. I think it changed color when you put him in water and shit. Um, wing Nut. I thought I had won the goddamn world championship with the day I got Wing Nut. I'm like running around like I have Wing Nut, dude. Look, he's like bad wings, and he's like a little guy. I remember having Scuttlebutt or the Scumbucket or whatever the little roach person's name is with a little roach blaster, like all a leather fed a leather face was one of the ones my brother got. Cause I would always try to take the call, the good ones and he would try to claim and he had to claim whatever was left. Like all of them were stupid as shit. Okay. Like in that gimmick of making all these like mutant animals and stuff was stupid as shit. And I feel like this movie recognizes that and has fun with it. And recognizes like the stupid fun of how crazy this whole concept is. And when you step back off the cocaine and kind of like smoke a joint and like think about it, like, yeah, why would these teenage, these kids who don't see themselves as freaks who, who are just basically teenagers, why would they ever enjoy living in a sewer away from everybody? Which is like this established part of the mythos that we never question. We're like, yeah, they freaks. They know their place. They're supposed to be in the sewer. And it's like, that's the eighties. And it's like, no, yeah, they would. And once you start doing that, it's like, oh yeah, that does open up so many new great doors for like what this franchise could be. And I think the spider verse comparisons, while maybe accurate, aren't quite as fair, like spider verse, and I don't think we've wrapped our heads fully around Spider-Verse yet, but like Spider-Verse is doing this incredible job of looking at the legacy of a character and like 
examining like what does inclusion mean, like representation mean, and like specifically centered around the story of this one version of that character that got like the most backlash and people saying he doesn't belong in a Spider-Man suit and he's just a gimmick and he's not this who like has gone on to kind of become iconic in his own right. Right. So that's like a whole other level of thing. I think these guys are just wanted to make, you know, not to sound <laughs> borderline controversial, but make TMNT cool again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, sure. and I think that's, you're just retelling. It's not a whole societal x-ray about TMNT. It's just a good TMNT story and a, a new one that, that like Rob said, feels like something we haven't seen before in this franchise that has been a, through not just like 30 years, but like, trying to reinvent it like every two years, I feel like so in different mediums and to have pulled that off and to pull it off in a way of this unique visual style, which everybody, obviously the spider verse comparisons are easy to make because they're both like these almost like living comic book kind of weird takes on reality. But, you know, I, I think that when you really got immersed into turtles, it was this kind of weird mix of the classic comic book style with the eighties cartoon style, like kind of mixed into it. And it was like, so if you ever read the old comics, there was like all these darker, drearier kind of grittier kind of drawings to it, like in the original Eastman Layard series. But then when the eighties came, you had this kind of goofier cartoony, brighter colored, layer put on to the franchise. And I feel like this movie kind of captures a balance of both. That's like gritty New York, but also like crazy, vibrant mutants. The humans obviously all look like, you know, exaggerated and, and kind of as freaky as the mutants in their just dimensions and whatnot. And I think it's like just a good thing that at once celebrates the legacy of the franchise kind of winks and laughs at how silly it all is. But then also tells like a very earnest story. Like this is the first time in a TMNT story ever I've ever gotten like emotionally choked up and like, like really kind of resonated with me emotionally. And their whole thing about people like just being accepted and trying to women over the public and all the kind of modern ways. And some people have criticized it for being very kind of Gen Z centric, which is true. But like, like we said, this is a franchise that gets reinvented because of the teenage part. Like, every generation needs their version of the turtles. Right. And so yeah. like it's for this one right now, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know if you can criticize it for being trapped in a moment because that's what it's supposed to be. And it nails the moment it's trapped in really well about, like we said, like the pressures of social media. I also really love this version of April O'Neil, who I think is yeah. one of the most useless heroines in all of like fandom. Like, She's yeah. never, she's not Lois Lane, right? Like never has been Lois Lane. She's not an intrepid reporter. She's just some chick who knows that the turtles exist. And it's just like, other than that, she's kind of a blank slate and they've tried to reinvent all these different deeper mythos about her. Like in the live action ones, like shredder and TCRI, her father's response. Like 
this was just a, getting a girl from the bear and letting her cook and like her comedic timing, which is so good when she's, she's so good with like the sarcastic one liners and things like that. And just like the storyline of April trying to find fame and their misguided attempt to use like content and YouTube and videos yeah. and social media <laughs> to get over their life problems is speaks to now. And yeah, I mean, even with like a five and an eight year old, there was stuff in here that I was just so related to. Like my five year old also is already aspiring to be a YouTube star, and I'm like, oh my god, like, <laughs> yeah, it's like I wrong. Yeah, 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 I can't even yeah. just tell you the stress level of like what's wrong with that goal. Like, um, yeah, and it, it it's just yeah, they nailed all that, and to do that, and still, like I said, I think this movie gets so underappreciated for the style of just, Oh, it's Spider-Verse. It's like, no, it has its own style very much. So yeah, for sure. you get into it, it very much is its own world and it's immersive and it sucks you in. But like, there are great sequences in this movie, like action sequences, like they're the first, uh, fight scene in the motorcycle <laughs> chop so shop. Good, yeah. Where they yeah. don't know how to fight, which is also, again, a novelty. Like you're used to the turtles being like, ultra ninja masters and this is like no they learn kung fu youtube they've never really been in a fight because they've been isolated for all this time yeah and it's like they didn't just become crime fighters and we're like okay we're so skilled now and we fight crime it's like yeah they had to stumble into their first fight and they had training but you see how they did such a great job of how sloppy it is before they get the confidence of oh we've been trained and like we know what to do and we can do this um there's that one sequence that i love like when they're hunting down different that whole montage of clients so cool. sequence. the way it yeah. like yeah it, blends into one another and stuff and the it's like a side scroller so too cool. like a fighting game yeah yeah it's really cool and like there but and like i said there's so many like little deep cuts and i and like like you said i don't think that's a mistake like i think there are nods to the video game nods to everything in every different kind of weird iteration of tmnt but yeah, they're like that sequence of just them hunting down the different gangs and finding their way to Superfly. It's just like you said, it is made by this crew. It is very much a Seth Rogen, Evan Goldberg product, and it, it's people who appreciate this and, and really did a good job kind of honoring it, but also making it new. And I don't think it's perfect. I would probably give it like a four, four point five out of five, but it's it's damn near perfect. Like. Yeah. 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 I Especially agree. as a starting point. Uh, I, I did want to bring up the, uh, I'm going to put your name. It's Ao Adabiri from The Bear, who, who plays April yeah. O'Neil. Ayo That's it. That's yeah. it. So, genius casting. I was going to say her and this interpretation of Splinter really are kind of what you were saying, Kofi. I feel like they, they lean more into being like the heart of the film, kind of like the backbone of. of of the team, which is great because you need that for in this kind of origin story where, where it really is sort of the beginning of, of them, of their journey. And I really like that. And I thought on the flip side of that, the April O'Puke gimmick was hilarious <laughs> to yeah. speak to the YouTube video of it all. The slow-mo oh, vomit yeah. sequence and, and all the replays. I, could, I did not see that coming. I, I no. could not have left me. But <laughs> louder than me, I heard who was sitting all the way across a theater of like – and we were in a, like a Dolby theater like – it was Jim Viscardi who just, I heard his voice like explode. Like, he could not stop laughing at that. And it yeah. was hilarious. It had a theater going. So, so did some of the other moments where people were like, not laughing out loud, but making loud noises, like the Ferris Bueller live action stuff. And they're watching yeah. that. And some of the cuts to like real life sequences was kind of neat. So, yeah. um, love that they, I mean, that's very, very much Seth Rogen, Evan Goldberg style. So I like that. But, uh, yeah. 
Not yeah, much to like, not much to say beyond that. I mean, for a film that we all kind of like, right? Um, yeah. Sorry, Ben, I cut you off there, but no, it's fine. Yeah, I mean, I like I didn't have you know when we go into these things like we there are things that kind of like stick in my craw and stuff sometimes, and I don't like like I said there are things that were like different choices here, but I think they're all they're all in service of just doing something a bit different with the characters and like the sort of splinter as being this like stay at home dad kind of who's sort of like, you know, oh, I think Jackie they Chan based, and, yeah. perfect casting. Yeah. yeah. I think they said they based the like character design on like Danny DeVito and stuff. It's like, <laughs> oh, it's, no. just, it's kind of true. Just Those like, eyebrows, you know, he's yeah. sort of a frumpy, like little kind of dude or whatever. And like, I know that there's people that love sort of the more, you know, master splinter type stuff, but I, I just really love the way that, this origin sort of plays out. It's just, you know, yeah, I had this argument on comic nation who with a shout out to Evan Valentine, great uh, writer and uh, reviewed this for comic book, but he, he was lower on it than I was. He, he was about a three and he really didn't like the splinter and the YouTube learning martial arts thing. He preferred the origin. And then he was just trying to kind of like convey the origin of what splitter is. And like how he's crazy. we were like, first of all, there's been like five different versions of this. Sometimes yeah. he was a human who got turned into a rat. Sometimes yeah. he was a rat who was like with a ninja master who observed yeah. somebody killing. Well, has master. he yeah. seen the and first like, movie <laughs> where he's in the cage? Yeah, like, and he's like the puppet rat karate yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's just like, but every version of that is stupid as fucking silly. Like it really <laughs> yeah. is. Yeah, and yeah. so like this is silly, but it's irreverent and like winking at itself as being kind of silly and stupid. Yeah. And like that's what I like about this. I feel like there is a lot about this that, like I said, there's a perfect balance of it's what you hear about with all these kind of reboots. But these guys really get it. Like we love this thing, but in loving it, we also recognize the aspects of it as adults now, which are so fucking stupid and yeah. like to be laughed at and it's just like <laughs> yeah i'm glad it, i'm so glad of shit they did not go into like splinter and a rokusaki and the serious history of ninja mastery it's like yeah it also just sets up a much better thing when like the foot clan and shredder come like yeah that's it what, like there's real like horror kind of when, to that yeah that's it yeah it's like what happens when these guys have to fight real ninjas you know what i mean like that's it, yeah yeah and that's, that's actual intrigue like we can get into. So that's that it. That's it. That final shot that like in the mid credit scene that shows Splinter or not Splinter Shredder is like, oh, I mean, you know, that's like a real threat coming for them. Like yeah. somebody that can really like, you know, fuck them up and like in ways that a giant mutated fly, like, you know, as ridiculous and big of a threat as that kind of was, it it's like this is a like conniving evil person and, and the foot, just the foot clan and the mystery of all that. Like they could do something really, really cool with that. Um, um, let's talk about that. Yeah. Cause I, I have some theories and I want to talk because we know that the franchise is continuing. Uh, yeah. Paramount is doing yeah. a tales of the teenage mutant Ninja turtles TV series for Paramount plus, which will fill the gap between movie one and the already confirmed sequel film, which Jeff Rowe is coming back for as well. So given where, and here's my hope, given where the first movie ends, the turtles going to school and finding their place in high school, which again, great new hook. Never in our lives have we seen like the Ninja Turtles actually do something as mundane and teenagery as going to high school. Right. So I hope the teenage, the tales show basically does not try to make shredder a thing 
like does yeah. not spend that card there. I hope that what it does is they have their own misadventures in school. There's other kind of capers, robbers, crooks, a mutant here, a mutant there. Uh, I hope the rest of the mutants are still part of their kind of like little community under the sewers. But I hope the Foot Clan starts to kind of make its presence known, right? Like yeah. different aspects. And you can have underbosses and other Easter eggs of people who have been involved in the Foot Clan. But I, I, I hope over the course of the show that starts to be slowly but surely a thing. And it's not – and you see Shredder in like little silhouettes, but it's not really him. It's just the Foot Clan starting to mess with them. And yeah. I hope the Foot Clan does a thing of – I, you can't just take them down because they're heroes, right? You got to break their reputation first. So I hope that once shady ninja shit starts happening, it, it causes public doubt. Like, hey, there's ninja sh- crazy ninja shit happening around New York City. Who do we know that are crazy ninjas? And then starts to fuck with their reputation and kind of yeah. upending that status quo so that we get to something a little darker and more serious by the second film. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, I totally agree. I like the idea of I also kind of like the idea of that TV series being kind of just like a freak of the week type thing where there's like other mutants they're investigating or you know some other crime or whatever. Like I think it just well, be kind of nice. Yeah. Leo but, and April are still on the hunt for TCRI. You can start building all that yeah, together sure. so that Exactly. By the second film we can get if you haven't watched the TV series it's fine. You know it's Shredder and Krang and Brain people yeah. and all that. But um if not, if you do watch the TV series, like you're all hyped because you know some deeper backstory about like new characters and stuff like that, right? Yeah. Let's talk about Zencaster. Rob, what is Zencaster? Oh, that's a great question, Ben. Zencaster, which we use to record Podcast X currently exclusively in audio form, is the ultimate web-based podcasting solution. It provides, as you know from listening, high-quality audio and video podcast production and hosting. With a full suite of professional tools, podcasters can seamlessly record, produce and publish studio quality content all from one dashboard in your browser being a creator like us has never been easier zencaster lets you do everything you need to podcast from recording to publishing all in one place that all is very exciting rob so zencaster if you want to sound your best zencaster's post-production process takes the headache out of audio production A frequent problem that we run into is when we come onto this podcast to record, my levels are usually all messed up. With Zencaster, we're able to adjust loudness and levels while reducing background noise with a single click of the button. Back when we were recording the Screen Man Underground podcast, this was like a seven-step process for us. While Podcast X currently only has two hosts and one rotating chair as a special guest... Zencaster lets you record up to 11 participants. Think of it. All of Ben's girlfriends in one place. Coordinating all of these guests, 11 participants at once, has never been easier. Just one click. I will say, though, as the person who has to edit this podcast and cut everything together, my favorite part and the thing that saves our ass time and time again is that it's a cloud backup system. So while you're recording, it records backups to the cloud as well as locally, which if you know from listening to the podcast... Kofi unplugs his mic. We've had some issues in the past. With Zencaster, not a problem. 
To try this yourself, go to Zencaster.com slash pricing and use the code PODCASTX and you'll get 30% off your first three months with Zencaster Professional. We want you to have the same easy experiences we do for all of our podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story. That's Zencaster.com forward slash pricing and use the code PODCASTX. Is, is uh, it like what was you guys' take on the TCRI that Synthony or Cynthia Ultram? Because the Ultrams are Krang's in the that's yeah. like Krang's race, I mean, right? Yeah, obviously that's, eventually yeah. we're gonna find out Maya Rudolph's character has a brain in her belly, like right. That's kind of what I think that's about. pretty yeah, yeah, and that's why she looks and it'll explain kind of like some of her weird Striking character design. Yeah, yeah, and just with the glasses and, like, and the we yellow know and shit, yeah. And, you know, they're going to give Maya Rudolph the chance to kind of cook with that whole funny yeah. gimmick and do that. Yeah. So I think it'll just be, but they're t- I'm glad they're taking their time because I didn't, it took me a minute. I had to look at her clothing and be like, oh, okay. Like I get the yeah, color coding. I see where this is going. Easter yeah. eggs. This is where I'd forgotten they're yeah. called Otums and things like Otums or anything. Yeah. I never was ever big into that whole Dimension X side of the franchise. I thought that's where they always <sighs> lost yeah. me kind of. Yeah. That's funny because I'm in my intro part of it i was saying like sequel would be ninja stuff and they could get the cosmic interdimensional weirdness if they can earn that between now and then because it is i agree kind of outlandish for what otherwise in this film is like the most grounded take yet and especially in modern society with the social media of it all yeah. i love the idea that the that mutants are known and accepted they are going to school everyone saw what happened with giant super flag downtown right so yeah. maybe these other characters like bebop and rocksteady and whoever else can go out now and become celebrities in their own right, right? So what I wonder is if the sequel will play with like those Spider-Man themes of wrestling between real life desires and the obligations of being a hero. And I also, at the same time, wonder the way they introduce Shredder at the end, it's almost like he's not necessarily, I'm sure he will be, but he's not presented as like a leader of his own faction doing his own thing. Although he of course always will be as the leader of the hand, but yeah. I wonder if he's more of a mercenary character. He's coming in like the winter soldier. You know what I mean? Just as like a badass with a squad doing his own thing. Cause otherwise what is the hand doing? Why would they be in the city fucking around? Like they are yeah. here now because the hand called, called them in. Yeah. <laughs> wrong like, franchise, in- wrong body part. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, shit, yeah. oh my God. Yeah. True, true, true. Foot- got hand, foot, <laughs> mouth, ninja disease. Uh, there is too much going. Yeah, where's Daredevil? Uh, there's team ups. You've read the books, but um, yeah, yeah I, I hope it's not just an army. I mean, they will have an army so they can fight things. But I do wonder how much super heroics are going to get into in that TV series, if and how big that will be. But um, yeah, do you guys hear that? There's like thunder on that side. Hmm. Anyways, um, yeah, I, I'm just curious in that take on Shredder, and if if we're going to see like the turtles, we're going to see like the classic Raph and the internal conflict of like who wants to do what. Versus we need to squad up, yeah. develop our skills and fight. You know what I mean? So do you, that actually kind of brings me to a question. Did you, I felt like Raph was maybe like the least developed of those four this time around. Well, like, he's a bloodthirsty, certainly. Right. Yeah. I mean, they just kind of leaned on him being like a bloodthirsty, crazy person, but I mean, maybe that's, you know, I, it wasn't like he was like underserved necessarily, well, but yeah. He was they've built, but Raph, they, they've built so many times around Raph. I get the yeah. reasoning for kind of going away from it. It yeah, was what I've heard. The other criticism I've heard, and it's arguable, I've been kind of weighing it, is that Donnie and Mikey should have been voice and personality swapped. 
I can that see that. Mikey. Donnie yeah, is the highest pitched voice, which is interesting. Yeah. 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 And then Donnie kind of stole the show as kind of more of the comedian, where that's kind of Mikey's thing, where yeah. Mikey was just kind of more muted as well. Like, you know, Mondo well, was more surfer dude. Dude, in, in social media world, tech world, like being the uh, nerdy guy is cool now. This ain't the 80s, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, yeah, the surfer guy thing is kind of like outdated. Um, I understand that. And like, I understand putting Leo at the forefront too, but I felt like they were all pretty good. I felt like they kept them as a squad mostly. Yeah. Like totally. I felt like it was too much into one or the other. I just, yeah, which is definitely a like, problem. I, I think yeah, that they've had in the past. Yeah. It's a good point about Raph. Cause like, I know I, we've all had this debate with our friends. I'm a Dante, Dante guy. I always have yeah. been. Every version of him has been my favorite. So I like that he gets the spotlight the way you're saying. I fucking hate Raph being the solo asshole. I hate that. Yeah. I love the idea now where he's like maybe the best brawler and he's like the big, not necessarily, well, they're whatever, all the same age, but he's like the big brother protector. He's the biggest yeah. guy. He's the guy who protects. I like that take on him where he's like the big protective guy who's a little feisty versus the fucking asshole wants to do his own thing, you know? Yeah. So I it's do true. like that. Yeah. There's been like four different like TMNT movies now where we've seen where like Raph goes rogue and fuck something up and then it's all it's a drama him. yeah, yeah. Style, like leave basically the conflict between him and leo and stuff it's like in so many of those yeah. movies for sure i'm with rob i i like him being the kind of the one who is the other alpha who like balances out leo like yeah. he's the one who's like you, you know like god damn you snitch like he's the one who's gonna say something. <laughs> yeah, <so Yeah>. good. <laughs> yeah that was good that was really great and like yeah. well mikey and donatella are kind of more docile you know about standing yeah. up and like but Raph yeah, is just it. like but they're like a good balance and like i think this movie nailed that like they're four brothers and they're like kind of a balanced out kind of set and i loved how they played off each other and the and the teen cast did a great job yeah that's it yeah i think like the as far as like their personalities go and the swapping of like donatello and michelangelo like i could i can see that and also even kind of the underdevelopment of like maybe raf or whatever but i do i did have to kind of remind myself that they're really leaning into the idea that they are teenagers here and so it's like you know as these as they age up a little bit or they do other things they might even be able to kind of grow into those roles a little bit more where like donatello gets more into this geeky like you know tech shit with his little computer well that was like the whole Breakfast thing, yeah. That's the whole Breakfast Club yeah. setup at the end. Is yeah, like exactly the whole yeah. mid credit scene sh- specifically shows them like they they're each finding themselves and and their lanes yeah. by going into mm-hmm. high school and not just yeah because that's Raph's whole thing, right? Like he that's the whole kind of point he makes in the movie is like you know if I gotta die, like I don't want to be staring at your faces, like because <laughs> just yeah. the fucking other yeah. three of you for forever so he's not like a loner but he's just like and that's normal that's like i grew up in a house with two brothers like that's yeah exactly what it is it's too much male energy you love those guys but like you're just like you're like yeah i, I just want to go in my own lane i don't want to be in the shadow of my brothers like this you want to spread out from that like and i think they just everything felt authentic in this which was yeah kind of bugged out because i was asking i was having this debate i was like Seth Rogen is like a guy who famously has no kids and is never going to. And I was like, I wonder if you had kids, could you possibly like not be so entrenched in all the bullshit to even make this movie and observe this much about kids? And I was like, I think you might not have to have it just to be able to read what teens are like these days, because this all felt like really, really authentic to like what teens are like these days. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Um, 
and speaking to them too, I love how we're, again, I used the word restraint earlier, but just on like how they've matured as filmmakers and storytellers to, to cater to this audience, the same way they did like sausage party or super bad for such a more mature, extreme audience. I love how they've narrowed that down 15, 10 years later into this. Right. So yeah, it's well, really, really I want to hear ice cubes unedited takes a super fly. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, that would be a sweet home video montage. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what was going to say now, now that we talk about the personalities of it all, it's funny we say that I actually enjoyed the group element, like Kofi said, but if I were to isolate one, it would be Mikey didn't really have his thing. The other three all had like a thing or in a battles or amongst the team, like one's the driver, the one's the tech guy, one's the brawler, one's the weird two honorable leader. But what is Mikey's thing? I don't know what his thing is. He's not the best fighter. He's not the best. He's not the smartest. He's not. <laughs> I don't know what his thing is. He's just kind of there, which I don't mind. I don't find it problematic. Well, that was the kind of thing. People were like, Donnie cracked the most jokes. And that was like. Mikey. I see what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. The joke part of it. That That's it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I guess I was just counterpointing to the Raph of it all. I know people were complaining about Raph. But for me, it was Mikey who was missing the bit. But uh, again, as a team member, it was it was great. So. Yeah. Um, but, but sorry. One more thing. These kids, though, like, what's going to happen if they are voice acting in two years and then five years for the third one? They're I not was thinking be, the same thing. As their voices are going to be mighty Puberty. different. Yeah. Puberty's going to fuck this franchise up <laughs> very soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. it's really funny. Um, that cool. Anything I mean, maybe that's else? why the TV shows there. Maybe, I mean, they're all kind of like up and comer, so maybe they just get knocked into the TV show and they're like, yeah, hey, let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or they age up with them they or they have that. to be cast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, cause they, they, I mean, they're, they're, they can do that quicker than they can the film. So sure. we'll see. Cool. Anything else you guys want to say before we wrap up here? Mm. Um, soundtrack was great. Uh, yeah. It was great. Oh, it really yeah. uh, came together. I was saying that, like around the time I was becoming a TMNT fan and find, figuring out all my fandoms, my older brother Hull, uh, handed me a hip hop tape and was like, "Hey, this is hip hop. You should listen to this." And that song was uh, "Can I Kick It" by Tribe Called Quest, which is the end credit yeah. song of this movie. And I was just like, "Man, uh, you know, Trent Reznor and them did a great job." And just the kind of licensed music list is just nice. It's just used in such good ways in throughout this movie. They have Annie up in here, don't they? Like MOP at one point. Yeah, yes, they do. Like, yeah. yeah, and yeah, and it was just like, yeah, it was just it was great. How was that? A, uh, great. Sorry, Ben. Go ahead, Rob. No, go ahead. I, I was gonna say they played a, obviously a clip of Ninja Rap. Everyone's talking about. But, yeah, uh, I made a yeah, video. Go, I got some toys. Go, dude, go. Yeah. Paramount sent over some sweet toys for this movie, which has been such a fucking cool thing to see my daughter play with those. But uh, I made a video like unboxing them, and I used like the No Diggity song from Black Straight with Dr. Dre because that was in the movie as well. But yeah, it's a massive list of songs uh, on top of the, the Reznor and Atticus Ross of it all. So yeah. very impressive. The the score, I just said like because I dug it. It was like yeah, the Trent Reznor and yeah Atticus Ross did the score and everything, and I uh, I just like added it on on you know, like Apple music or whatever. I was realizing, I mean, this movie is like made for kids. And the third track on the soundtrack is called dipshits on a roof. <laughs> like, yeah, it's just like, wild. yeah, it's just so funny. That, like, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's very like on brand to like, you know, there's like another one on here. Like, uh, there's another thing on there. That's just kind of like, you know, I mean, they're like clips and whatever, but it's just kind of funny that 
it's very like on brand for Rogan to just sort of be like, fuck it, like whatever, you know, (laughs) it doesn't all have to be like for the kids and kids appropriate and everything, but, um, cool. All right. Well, yeah, that probably kind of wraps up our, uh, we sort of talked about what we want to see in a sequel, I think. And, what we want to see out of this TV series. So yeah, I mean, kind of feels like turtles are back maybe for the first time. And I know they've like never really left because there's always been animated series and toys and everything. But I think this does a great job of kind of capturing what we all loved about these, these things as a kid. And in a way that maybe a lot of these properties haven't quite kids may have like played with these other toys and watched these other shows, but I don't know that they like, Oof, I don't know the- if I, I think that's, I think you're just trying to sign off. I think it's actually the opposite for me. I think it's, it took something that I loved and made it new again, like in a weird kind of yeah, way. Yeah, I can see that. It made yeah. me feel like I have not seen Ninja Turtles before. And as my son has now just clearly declared, like, that's the version I want to see. Like, yeah. Going back yeah, and watching some of these other versions, I'm just like, okay, but like, yeah, no, that's the version I want to see now. Like, and so yeah. That's a yeah. that's a big thing to do is just to come into a franchise with this many tries to it, this many years behind it, this yeah. many people who like attach to one version or another and you know, plant the flag and say, No, we're doing it and we're doing it this way and we don't give a fuck about what you think about that. We're just gonna you know, yeah, we're gonna tell the story we want with these characters we love, we're gonna or- honor their core and even expose more of the core you didn't even know was there and deal with it. And here you go. And the answer is thank you. I think, yeah, that's a much more eloquent way of, of sort of saying, I think what I was trying to say, I just feel like we have seen kind of so many simultaneous different versions of the turtles over the last like two decades that or three decades at this point now that, like there was a point where this series was like, you know, a massive pop culture thing. And then it kind of like in the same way that like power Rangers or something, it's been with us the last 30 years. It's kind of like kids have watched it and they've had their their times with the thing, but it doesn't feel like it was like 40 years. I think. Yeah. I mean, it It is 84. 84. Yeah. Yeah. So the show launched 87. Yeah. But it's like, I don't know. I mean, throughout all that, it's like, they, you know, there were evolved versions. They tried different things. But like this no, kind yeah, of, were, this kind of comes say, back to what was good about the original ones, I feel. 100%. Like. So like you said, in the 90s, this was like the, one of the biggest fucking things in pop culture. And for like a decade after that, when you go to your Walmarts or whatever and find clothes for your kids, it's like that's one of the three things. It was yeah. cowbunga dude shirts and all this kind of shit. Yeah, and it was, yeah. it was me – begging my parents for the fucking pizza shooter every goddamn Christmas and never getting it. Uh, oh, I did I have those turtles we the shelves that opened though. <laughs> no, yeah. I those I like I said, this was like my Turtle driver for my behavior. Yeah. I had everything. Yeah, totally. I had the sewer playset where you could drop the ooze and make a turtle sit for 30 minutes shit. under it till that shit slowly dropped down. I had the pizza shooter. I had the van because uh, Paramount also was kind enough to send us stuff, and I took home the uh, pizza van shoot, the uh, pizza yeah, van, cool. yeah. which now you hit a big pizza on the top, and it pops out a shooter from the Wait, side. Wait, it does? Oh, yeah. Oh, it's a shooter seat. And it holds up to eight pizzas, and it blasts those things off fast. I'll show you a video after this on the side. <laughs> it, like, it pops those things out fast. And so, and that's what I'm using. He's starting school, and I said, I'm trying to use the same tactic on him. Like, each time he's good at school, like, for a week or so, I'll fill his van with more Ninja Turtles characters. So, anyway, um, 
Yeah, it, it's just it's been. I was just one of my, <laughs> the reason I have video of it is because I'm sending my best friend, who I used to always call. I'm like, we're back to '87, <laughs> baby. And I was just like, look at this shit. I was like, look what they did with the van because I was sending him old pictures of like all the toys we used to buy. Can you still find pictures on eBay and shit? And yeah, like, yeah. the old van used to be my shit because you could fill all four turtles had like a sitting spot. I remember. I remember the commercials. Yeah. Too. yeah, yeah. And it was just like so cool that you could just put all four of them in there. And now you can put like all four of them, 50 other people like and have like a like a shooting seat that pops out the side. Like, yeah, I was like, man, me and my best friend were just like, whoa, I don't think we were like loving it more than my son. That's Uh, amazing. There's always that one kid at school that had that. I remember the commercials. I never had vehicles as a kid. I just had like tons of characters and different variants of them. And I also had the fucking Donatello watch. I don't know if you guys ever saw those. He was like big fucking turtle face watch with the colors <laughs> yeah like a little first one of the first me, digital uh, yeah i think everyone kids watches those were two sick, straight uh, days to fucking build and fully decal the goddamn technodrome when i finally got it that thing yeah. was insane fucking yeah. decal oh some of those so things yeah. 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 yeah yeah we're talking about that with the gi joe stuff a couple of weeks ago right yeah like, i fucking stickers these things came with back then totally oh yeah, yeah. That's cool, man. Um, yeah, I think Playmate sent a vehicle, but I don't know if I got the pizza shooter. It might just be bikes or something. But uh, I love how, I mean, going back to old school toys, I thought Playmates is back too. Because when I growing up as a kid, they made turtle stuff, but they made the Star Trek toys back then too. And now yeah, they're back yeah, doing yeah. the same two licenses. And like, yeah, that's awesome. Toys, baby. Yep. Uh, awesome. I saw one of the things that they're doing for this movie that I thought was cool, which I guess. According to reporting from Slashfilm, when maybe you guys got this too or whatever, was actually a deleted scene that they didn't produce. Was uh, it has like a costume party set of turtles? So it's like I had Donnie, that box. Yeah, it's like Donnie has like a spacesuit or some shit, and like Leo's a pie. I can't. Oh yeah, we have that in the office. Yeah, yeah, one of them yeah, is Spock, yeah. one of them is an astronaut, one yeah. of them is a cowboy. So that's yeah. it. So apparently that was yeah. a deleted scene. But like, man, I mean, when you think back on all those fucking crazy ass turtle like toys and stuff like the star trek ones and like the undercover ones and the ones that like man there was a lot of there was a lot of great it's it's funny you say that because like the the packs i got this individual characters of course that come with the most accessories but two of the packs the four the four character or five character packs they sent one of them is like a target exclusive which i think is like the four characters and bebop and like a bus or turtle van sheet box the other one's a walmart exclusive which has the four characters in costume so now that makes a lot more sense yeah um yeah, I think uh, yeah, I think we were like writing that up at, at Slash One or something. They did the interview with Roe or whatever, and he they were talking about that. That was like some kind of deleted scene where they were going to show up to like some kind of like like Halloween party or something like. And that. they made, oh, I guess yeah, they could get away with it, right? So yeah, um, cool. All right, well, uh, that'll do it for this week's episode, guys. Uh, I'm Ben Kendrick. You can follow me. I don't know, fuck on X and threads and instagram and wherever at ben kendrick uh mr rob keys yeah i am rob underscore keys that's k-e-y-e-s on twitter and fail cube on the uh insta and threads awesome and and, yeah. and you can find me on twitter and tweet at me i'm never gonna say this x bullshit i'm i'm not <laughs> i'm not mind controlled by elon musk so you can tweet me at kofi outlaw and uh, you can find me every week on, on the hopefully award-winning Comic Book Nation podcast. That's comic book, all one word, dash nation. And, uh, yeah, if you want to hear the clean version of what I do, go check me out here. If you want to stay dirty, <laughs> always listen to me on Podcast X.
yeah, I guess you, we should say like I work over at Static Media. We run Slash Film and Looper. Rob's over at Screen Rant, our uh, our former home turf where all of us work together. So uh, yeah, check out all our websites. Check out what we've all got going on there. That'll do it for this week's episode. We will see you guys. I don't know. Sometime. <laughs>